Hi there. Welcome to Memory Wimble the Harry Potter podcast. I'm Aishwarya. I'm Prashanthini. We're going to reread the Harry Potter books and discuss it over the course of our run. The episode title today is Harry Gets Sorted. We'll stop midway through chapter 7 the sorting hack when the Weasley twins say, "We got Potter. We got Potter." Let's start from where we left off last episode when our wand chose Harry. At the end of our last episode, Ollivander has given Harry some incredible information about how his wand shares a core with Voldemort's and how Ollivander and the world expects great things from Harry Potter. After hearing that Harry is actually very quiet because he has been having a lot of self-doubt, whatever Ollivander said only increased his self-doubt and fear. I mean he doesn't know anything about magic and he just learned about all this information in one day on his birthday and now he is expected to do great things so he is very quiet and pondering over how things are going to turn out in the future until Hagrid asks what's wrong with him and he expresses his doubt when Hagrid says everyone starts at the beginning at Hogwarts you'll be just fine I think that whatever Hagrid said meant a lot to Harry and it makes sense because no matter what you see your parents do or what magic you see around you it's not the same as learning from a teacher and performing it yeah very true and uh, in the end Hagrid drops him off at the Dursleys he gives him the ticket to go to Hogwarts and he says any problems with the Dursleys send me a letter with your owl she'll know where to find me Yeah, which is really peculiar, right? How do the owls know how to find people? Like within Harry Potter series, we don't really find the answer to that. There is an entry by J.K. Rowling in Pottermore that pretty much explains this. I'll just read an excerpt from the article. Whether because they possess an innate bent for magic, or because generations of their ancestors have been domesticated and trained by wizards, and they have inherited the traits that make this easy, owls learn very quick and seem to thrive on the task of tracing and tracking the witch or wizard. for whom the letters are intended so basically the address you write on the envelope doesn't really matter the owls basically understand what people are speaking and track people based on that the addresses are only for if the owl gets intercepted or maybe dies somewhere and the letter is not delivered or if the recipient is like is this for me and the owl says yes told look at the address <laughs> over here at the same time if you don't want to be followed by owls everywhere you can use some spells to basically uh, repel it that is super interesting then he goes to the dursleys who surprisingly accept him for the rest of the time that harry spends with the dursleys they are very hands off they completely avoid harry and let him do whatever he wants so he just like holds up in his bedroom reads looks through all of his books which sounds like a fantastic holiday yeah i was very curious to know what was in that initial letter that dumbledore left them if their son got a pigtail because of harry and they are still taking him in what was said in that letter that is making them do these things maybe there was a spell in the letter ha huh. interesting never thought of it that way yeah maybe you know dumbledore put like a i don't know some kind of charm that you look at it and you you have to follow its instructions kind of thing maybe instead of like you know making them see these and dumbledore was just like taking taking the shortcut Harry looks through his books which turn out to be pretty fun. He names his owl Hedwig. I looked up Hedwig because I thought maybe something means something. Had, yeah, maybe it means something. And uh BuzzFeed thinks that she's the patron saint of dead children, but Wikipedia doesn't think so. Who's going to believe Wikipedia on this front? I think believing anything over BuzzFeed is better. Hey, BuzzFeed does have some accurate information. I know that you've been saying this for many years. Yeah, they are reporting. Using this as an excuse to read their listicles. BuzzFeed News is extremely good. 
Time flies by. Next thing Harry knows, he has to go to Hogwarts the next day. And that's when he looks at his ticket and realizes that he has to go to London. So he decides to go and ask the Dursleys about going to London. But Uncle Vernon surprisingly agrees to take him with minimum wisecracking. Like he yeah. just says the train is a funny way to get to wizard school. Which I agree. It's a funny way to even get to normal school, in my opinion. But then again, I never went to boarding school. So, But then I thought about it. Maybe the train is a way of normalizing the book. Mallory does in St. Clair's. Both of those books uh, sometimes involve the kids driving to school, but a lot of times they take the train with their friends. So the train is a way for everyone to like catch up and like bond before they get to school. Hmm. And when all the new way more fun. Yeah, it is more fun. It, there's a space for you to sit and talk and like yeah. play games and stuff like that. Yeah. So all the new kids like meet people only on the train. So hmm. I thought maybe that's why she uses a train Could to make be. it a little bit more normal. There's a lot more information she has given about trains, but I think it'll be too premature to talk about it right now. Okay, yeah, we can talk about it next time a train pops up in the story, yeah. I guess. Oh, one of the questions that we had in episode one was answered this time. They are watching a quiz show on TV. Oh, okay. When Harry interrupts. Yeah. My favorite part of that interruption is that Dudley runs out of his room when Harry walks in. Like sweet <laughs> vengeance. And I also find it really weird that Dursley's waited a whole month to go to London and get the tail removed. Yeah, that is... Yeah. What did they think would happen? The tail would just disappear on its own? But when I also like realized that the Dursley's kind of hope that it would go away, nobody came to provide a magical solution to this problem either. Yeah, that is sad. They just left a poor boy with a pig's tail. This is Penelope. Have you seen Penelope the movie? No. Penelope the movie has Christina Ricci in it and she is born with a pig's nose. Ah, yeah, so, I know the story though. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of like Penelope. <laughs> shaping up to be Penelope except, you know, poor Penelope had a pig's nose. Penelope is also a nice person. Yeah, she is. That's the whole movie. <laughs> Imagine explaining to someone mm-hmm. how the pig's tail formed. Yes. That I feel one. really bad for them. Yeah, that's probably the reason they waited a whole month. Yeah. Or maybe they thought that Harry would somehow come and reverse it. Maybe he'd learn something from the books and help them or something. I don't know. They could have asked. But I guess that's too much to expect from the doctors. Yeah. So it's to speak of. Or it could be that they tried many doctors locally. And, and then they're going happen. to London. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But still, they make it to the station with like minimum drama. When they get to the station, Harry's like really surprised to find how helpful the Dursleys are. Like Vernon actually puts his luggage onto a cart and like rolls it for him <laughs> to like platform 10. And then they just like, just leave him there. And they're like, hey, they, it looks like they're building your platform. Which made me wonder, why isn't there a welcoming committee there? I was thinking about this a lot. Hagrid could have helped him with that, right? That's when I realized that the wizarding community is just so... They are so soaked into who they are that they don't understand how hard it is for new people to come and join this world. It's called the curse of knowledge. You know something so well that you don't understand how other people cannot know it. Ah, so I guess nobody real wondered what ha- how Harry would get onto platform yeah. nine and three quarters, right? Yeah, it's nine and three quarters. Just ask around yeah. and come. And which Harry tries. He asks yeah. a train guard and the guard gets like increasingly peeped because Harry can't tell him what where the train is going or like which station properly. And he just like when he asks about the 11 o'clock train, he says there is no 11 okay. o'clock train. And Harry gets like increasingly confused until he heard the magic word, muggle. Yeah. It's it's a red-headed family and they are talking about how the train station is packed with muggles. And of course it's packed with muggles. It's, it's a train mugs. station. It's a muggles train station. Yes. The exposition is a little too much. We get it. They are magical people. You don't have to say muggles. And then you don't have to say, oh, what's the platform number again? As if everybody there went to Hogwarts. I know. 
But I actually did like that the train station is in neutral territory so as to speak of. It's not a wizard only place. The entrance is restricted, but at least they put the entrance in a place that is reachable by non-magical folk as well. Yes. That that was pretty nice, which means that parents with children going to Hogwarts non-magical parents which will still at least be able to come to the train station with them. We start listening to the conversation that the Weasleys are having. There's a Mrs. Weasley there are Fred and George who are twins and they are like pulling their mother's leg. And then there's a prefect Percy. All around the atmosphere they are creating is completely different than what Harry has seen with the Dursleys. He approaches Mrs. Weasley when he notices that the first guy who passes the barrier, Percy, he does so in a way that Harry could not notice. So he goes up to Mrs. Weasley and asks her how to get past the barrier and she's like, run at it. And I think that is a pretty bad advice. I agree. If you can get through the barrier, you can still walk there. Yes. (laughs) Or later, this is spoiler, but later on in the books, when they go Hogwarts again and yes they do go back to Hogwarts for more than one year there there are points where they just walk to the barrier lean against it and fall back into yeah. platform nine mm-hmm. and three quarters which I think is definitely the most sensible way of doing yeah. it instead of running in the middle of a packed railway station at a barrier when you are not really sure if you can get through yes but other than that I loved her right away the way she's talking to her kids the way she behaves when she discovers who that little boy who asked for help I is. I agree. She gives such sensible advice. I think she says something along the lines of don't gawk at him like he's in a zoo, which mm-hmm. is definitely very, very good advice to give your children. Then they all get through the barriers. There's also this boy called Ron who's tall and gangly. He doesn't seem to be as upbeat as his twin brothers. And there's also Ginny. She seems to be crying because she cannot go to the school just yet. Yeah, Harry gets introduced to all these people because he's sitting in the train and he's overhearing them talk. I guess you're forgetting that Fred and George actually help him get his luggage on the train. Even before they find out that he's Harry Potter, which I think is very sweet. Seriously. They're actually helping. They're not bullying people. They're not... No, they are not the bullying. They're not throwing their weight around and being like, first year, get out of my way and stuff. (laughs) They're actually being very helpful to someone who they saw being like alone and scared. Fred and George are like the heroes of this particular chapter after the sorting hat maybe. The the humor that they have, I think it'll make Harry feel very comfortable because one of the jokes they make... Their mother had just taken out her handkerchief. Ron, you've got something on your nose. The youngest boy tried to jerk out of the way, but she grabbed him and began rubbing the end of his nose. Mum, get off! He wriggled free. Ah, has Echo Ronnie got something on his nosey? said one of the twins. They are mocking what the Dursleys do every day. And, I mean, when you read, the humour is actually very apparent, but when you listen to Stephen Fry's audiobook version, he's not two people, so it's hard to basically do the to-and-fro thing that Fred and George do with a lot of dialogues. So he's kind of slow. Oh, are you a prefect, Percy? said one of the twins with an air of great surprise. You should have said something. We had no idea. Hang on, I think I remember him saying something about it, said the other twin, once or twice. A minute all summer. Oh, shut up, said Percy. And I thought that the essence of the joke is lost that way. Speaking of editions, I was just going to talk about how I'm reading the illustrated edition of Harry Potter. And in that, this particular point, there is this beautiful picture which ends up being the cover of the edition itself of Harry on the platform. And there are lots of people around him. Uh, He's looking up at the train. 
you know, there's sort of like a wistfulness on his face, but he's also like really thrilled that like he can't believe that he's there. There's lots of little lovely elements that are there throughout the picture, right? There are lots of cats wandering around, but which made me wonder like, why not, why cats? Like, why not dogs, birds, whatever? Was that, why is a cat a Hogwarts pet? Probably because of, you know, like witches have cats and they have toads. Yeah. They have rats. So <laughs> I assume those, that's why the pets are too. They have rats? Oh, yeah. Rats' brains is a very common. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, J.K. Rowling in that entry about owls, she actually mentioned that cats and owls are supposed to be magical. Yeah. And, and this picture also has this, which is which turns out to be a recurring theme in the illustrated edition. There's a flying pig on the engine. Oh. Yeah. There's, there's like pig with wings on the engine and the chimneys out of the engine is shaped like a dragon. I'll check it out. Harry also sees some characters like Neville and Lee on his way to his seat. He sits in his seat and he overhears what the Weasleys are saying about him. It's natural for Harry to be so fascinated about the Weasleys because he doesn't have a family, let alone a functional family. I read this very interesting article which was on this website called humanpursuits.com. It's called Why Harry Potter is Great Literature. The article itself is very good, but there's one particular thing that he calls out about Harry's fascination and affinity towards family. I'll just quote from the article. If Harry were a Disney character, he would either abandon his family to chase his dream or the fact that he's mysteriously missing at least one parent would be irrelevant to him. But in Rowling's world, orphan Harry wants nothing more than a family. In fact, in a reversal of the millennial moral imagination, when he's unofficially adopted by one, he's willing to sacrifice everything else to protect it. It goes against everything the millennials want, which is like independence and going after passion. But even through the course of the series, we realize that Harry, in fact, doesn't have passion. He's put into positions where he has to act, but he he's driven more towards protecting people around him. The author cites it as one of the reasons why Harry Potter's great literature, and I completely agree. Yeah, I never realized that. That is very interesting. So I'm curious, do you think the train uses tracks that muggles don't know exist? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't think muggle trains run on the same tracks. I, I'm not sure. So how do they like switch tracks? Interesting. Actually, the train goes a long way. That means they would have to hide a lot. If they use the same tracks as the muggles, then the muggles can see the train. Not necessarily. Maybe they think the train is going somewhere else. Maybe they just like switch schedules around. It's a steam train. I am sure people will notice it wherever it's going. (laughs) That is true. I am not certain. Yeah, we have to to figure that out. Maybe the next time we're talking about trains, we'll have a better explanation for these things. Yeah. (laughs) So Harry's like sitting down and the compartment's empty until Ron decides to come join Harry. And And the first thing Ron asks is whether he has that scar. Yeah. And if he remembers anything. Yeah. Uh, he's awkward enough when he's doing that. And he seems to be pretty bummed out about going to the school also. Yeah, because he had five brothers go to Hogwarts before him. And he talks about how everything is a hand-me-down. Like he has Bill's old robes and uh, Charlie's old wand and Percy's old rat. And I think that's kind of depressing. Yeah. But as Harry tells him, it's not like Harry had a lot of things <laughs> before he came to Hogwarts anyway. So when they're equally fascinated by each other, Ron is fascinated by Harry Potter, the myth. And Harry's fascinated by normal child from loving family what is it like out there right and they're both and he's so interested in the fact that ron is from a wizarding family where magic is practically taken for granted 
Yeah. The fact that magic exists. So they are like extremely interested in finding out, you know, things about each other. And they bond over food. When the lady with the trolley comes along and asks, you know, if they want any sweets, Harry jumps up and buys the whole trolley. Because he has more money than he's ever had in his life. And he wants everything looks supremely interesting. When Ron says that he has a sandwich and Harry's like, it's okay, we'll share. I guess even though he did not have a friend. Food will win him friends, yes. <laughs> Harry has learned all the right lessons. <laughs> I think any other author might have spent some time dwelling about how Harry feels so like you know ashamed of not having had enough money or having had to wear Dudley's like hand-me-downs and stuff but J.K. Rowling doesn't Harry just like matter of fact says yes yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with yeah. not having money because I didn't have any and he, he's just very accepting of that and what interesting snacks they buy I know right I mean how did she think about these things I, I think she even... just like adapted some of the pasties like we find like cauldron cakes and pumpkin pasties well, okay they are the least interesting not. people but, have tried making them by the way I know I know there are some really fun stuff like Bertie's every, every flavor beans. beans that's a very interesting idea I don't yeah. know why we are not doing it it's not magical but do we every, have something like no, that no I don't think so ah. Yeah, I don't... You're right. It's not magical. Maybe it's not easy to make. There are chocolate frogs. Chocolate and frogs. No, and I love that in the movie, they really animate that frog. It like actually like jumps around and you have to like catch it and then put yeah. it in your mouth, which is horrific also to think about. Like when when in the book, they talk about Harry biting the frog's head off. I assume it's like eating like a gummy bear, right? Mm. When you bite the gummy bear's head off, the gummy bear is not flailing and screaming. Like, I don't think the chocolate frog would that's what, it, that's what it feels like in my head. <laughs> It just jumps around. I don't, and he, they, I don't think they eat it at all. It's uh, Like Ron says, it's for the cards. That's true. I love that when uh, Harry sees the chocolate frog, uh, he there's a line that says, he was starting to feel like nothing would surprise him. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last words, Harry. Famous last words. <laughs> the next thing you, you know, he's looking at pictures and it's moving. <laughs> yes. I love that there's a gotta collect them all kind of feeling, like with Pokemon. In the illustrated edition, this is where we first actually see a picture of Dumbledore. There is a picture of how he appears in the card. And he's eating lemon drops. And he looks an extraordinary amount like my favorite Dumbledore, Richard Harris, the first Dumbledore. Richard Harris was Dumbledore in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and in Chamber of Secrets. But he died, unfortunately, when they were wrapping up the shooting for Chamber of Secrets. So they cast a new Dumbledore, Michael Gambon, who I loathe from the bottom of my heart. I don't mind him. <laughs> oh, he puts a rubber band on the beard. He's, no. he's more active. He's too active. <laughs> But we will get to that in book four. <laughs> I like that J.K. Rowling just casually name dropped Ptolemy and how he's a wizard. Yeah, I mean, she does that all over the place, right? So Agrippa was a Roman consul. I don't know how to pronounce that word. Consul. Consul. And he was a friend of Octavian, who was Caesar's heir, right? There was also a philosopher and an astronomer called Agrippa, who was said to be the great-great-grandfather to Romulus and Remus, who founded Rome. He did a lot of cool things, apparently. Like, he renovated aqueducts to give everybody access to public quality water. For some reason, everybody in Rome at that point, anybody in position of power has something to do with aqueducts. Water was a very serious <laughs> problem at that time. <laughs> and as someone who has played Caesar 3, I can tell you, it is very difficult to get it right. <laughs> you spent an yeah, sure. awful lot of time arranging the aqueducts <laughs> in that game. I swear. And uh, I found it really interesting that uh, there are 12 uses of dragon blood. And that Dumbledore enjoys chamber music. Yeah, what is that? I think it's something like opera music, but I'm not certain. The other fun main name drop is Morgana, who is a witch from King Arthur's time. So like Merlin Morgana, mm. right? And uh, there are also like some other names that Cersei is from the Odyssey. Mm. She's the witch that uh, he meets on the island. 
But lots of other people that she name drops are actual real people. Like Paracelsus was a Swiss physician and alchemist, apparently. Wasn't Galileo condemned by the church on charges of heresy because he said that the earth was not the center of the universe as was widely believed at that time? <laughs> Makes total sense that they condemned uh, scientists as witches and wizards. I don't know if it was anybody who challenges anyone who challenges beliefs was probably considered as heretic. More than heresy, what I would say is, if someone's extraordinary, humanizing them is bad for people who are already mediocre. <laughs> so they call them either heroes or witches and wizards to take them away from the human kind and put them in this separate bracket. Yeah, I mean, achieving great things is normal for them. As humans, we are just going to be... Yeah, because they probably have like extra help, like from God or yeah, the devil or exactly. whatever. What were we talking about? So we were originally talking about the chocolate frog cards. Okay. But we can move on to talking about what you bought every flavor of beans. Because peppermint is not an ordinary flavor no matter what you say. Seriously, <laughs> I will never believe that. Spinach, liver and ripe, gross. Toast, grass and curry, gross. Like what happened to Rocky Road? Why isn't it a flavor of anything? <laughs> Ron's behavior throughout this whole train ride reminded me a lot of myself when I was younger. Mm-hmm. He's always thinking about what other people would think of him. He's so conscious about it. Most kids are. You you wonder if your parents are cool enough. You wonder if whatever you're bringing for lunch is cool. It reminded me of this particular dialogue from Modern Family. Manny is getting bullied in school and Mitch tells him that... This is the funny thing about growing up. For years and years, everybody's desperately afraid to be different you know, in any way. And then suddenly, almost overnight, everybody wants to be different. And that is where we win. I like. I really like the dialogue from that show and it fits here perfectly. Oh, there's also this line that Ron says about his brothers that really hurt. He says that everyone expects me to do as well as the others, but if I do, it's no big deal because they did it first. And that says a lot about how Ron felt growing up. Mm. Having five brothers can be really frustrating. Not only are they just five brothers, most of them are overachieving and two of them are Fred and George. Yes. <laughs> the funniest people in this book. I, I can understand the pressure. But Harry and Ron are having fun. Like, you know, they're eating, they're chatting and Harry's having the time of his life. And then suddenly there's a boy in there who's asking about a toad. Yeah. That's missing. Is there a boy in there or a girl in there? Boy first. Boy first. Then boy with the girl. Boy with girl. And An but, incredibly bossy girl. Yeah. But at that point, Ron is trying to demonstrate a spell that he learned from his brother. Which is really strange. Is Harry the only person who got this warning with the letter that they should not do magic? Eventually, Hermione also says that she's been practicing a few magic spells. She performs a spell in the movie. She uses a repair spell to repair glasses, but that doesn't happen in the book. Oh, you mean she doesn't perform anything. She just learns a few things. I think the movie just put that in in the interest of speeding up the narrative. Like they mm. were like, we don't want to spend a lot of time establishing that Hermione can do magic. Let's just show her forming Hermione a spell. Is smarter than everybody else. Yes, especially Ron and Harry. <laughs> but Ron's spell is really funny, and I cannot believe he thought it was a spell. Sunshine, daisies, butter, mellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow. Which does not work as predicted. There's a jet of light and Scabbers just doesn't like move. He scampers off or something. I don't know. Jet of light is from the movie. Yeah, jet of light is from the movie. Mm. Okay. Yes. Which I've written down here. It says there's jet of light in the movies. Dump. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but then Hermione goes on and introduce herself and my favorite introduction line in her introduction is that she's learned all of her said books by heart and the only thing Harry takes away from the whole speech is that that he looks at Ron and thinks that doesn't look like the face that learned all the said books by yeah, heart even I noted that I mean he did read some of the books I don't know why he's so worried yeah I know he flipped through them he picked a name that yeah. means he's read enough of the books right but unlike Fred and George's banter Hermione's fast-paced talking was done very well by Stephen Ray are you sure that's a real spell? said the girl. Well, it's not very good, is it? I've tried a few simple spells just for practice, and it's all worked for me. Nobody in my family's magic at all. It was ever such a surprise when I got my letter, but I was ever so pleased, of course. I mean, it's the very best school of witchcraft there is, I've heard. I've learned all our set books off by heart, of course. I just hope it'll be enough. I'm Hermione Granger, by the way. Who are you? Because it's one person. Yeah. So I'll admit to not knowing how to pronounce her name. And mm-hmm. I... Her, when I was reading the first book, like I, I had never encountered Hermione when I first read this. As in, when I read this book, right? The only Hermione I know even now is from Shakespeare's A Winter's Tale, Queen Hermione. I had never even like come across the name before, so I thought it was pronounced Hermione. I just like uh, as it's written, as it's written, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think that's why J.K. Rowling went to that effort to like you know phonetically write her name out in book four. So, even I don't know how I pronounced it. Uh, sometimes I just like skip over. Names. I know in my head so for a long time it's not I didn't talk about these books to anybody because no one I knew was reading them but when I was like 12 or 13 there was actually someone who read the books and I was talking about this to her and I was telling her so Hermione's always been one of my favorite characters like top 5 Hermione's definitely there because I feel her there's a lot later on in this particular episode we'll come across a line that she says which could have been said by me I say <laughs> similar things all the time right so I really feel which Hermione should I just go ahead and say it now Okay, see. Uh, it's when she says that the Great Halls has been bewitched to look like the night sky outside. And then she says, I read about it in Hogwarts History. That is you. Yes. <laughs> and then I was so, I had, she's a kindred spirit. <laughs> You're calling yourself a know-it-all, but it's cool now. So. Yes. <laughs> I'm fine with being a know-it-all. Only way to make myself indispensable. <laughs> True. I don't know if you're pronouncing it right even now. We are. We've seen the movies. Hermione. But when the teaching actually happens, she says, Hermione. She says Hermione. Ah. Yeah. Where's the O? Yeah. Hermione. So yeah. Hermione. So we say Hermione. Oh. But I like this pronunciation. Yeah. Better. I'm just going to keep we, it. Yeah. We are going to say Hermione. Hermione realizes she's talking to Harry Potter. So she says, oh, I came across you in XX and X. And then she <laughs> says, I'd have found out everything I could if I if it were me. Even well, me. Yeah. But like Harry didn't really have the opportunity. Actually, he did. He was in Flourish and Blots. And he could have very easily like you know, Hagrid could have very easily like just given him a book summarizing recent visiting events, but that would have been no fun. I mean, we would have basically had an info dump in like the beginning of this chapter. Mm. And okay, Harry doesn't really have the drive to do things as yet, I would say, because he's so obedient, he actually doesn't try to do any magic. We know that from Harry later on in the series, we know that he breaks a lot of rules. So it is very surprising that he hasn't yet. Yeah, because all this time breaking rules gets him punishment. So he's been conditioned. But he broke them anyway. Yes. Oh, oh, he didn't break rules by uh, on his own. Like he didn't want to break them. It just broke because of his magical abilities. Yeah. So now mm. he's vo- voluntarily not breaking anything. <laughs> yeah, and what is this thing about dirt that they keep saying? Yeah, no, dirt on his I guess it's a joke. I don't get. But we're missing the most important part where Harry and Ron have this discussion about something that happened at Gringotts. Yeah. A high security vault was broken into and Harry feels a prickle in his car. What? Yeah. He no, does. he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't feel a prickle in his car. Yes. Oh, he was starting to get a prickle of fear. 
never mind see prithu and i'm like yeah scar ron realizes that harry doesn't know anything about quidditch so he tries considerably better than hagrid to explain what quidditch is yeah. once harry hears the news about the war the first question he asks is what happened to them because he, he remembers the poem and uh, nothing happened so ron says that that's the reason everybody's saying that you know who's probably behind it you can understand how it the is the atmosphere of fear yeah. yeah because even though people have not seen voldemort for a long time he his dead body is not found so it's going to be a great time to be a conspiracy theorist <laughs> everything is going to be about voldemort oh yeah definitely so then they talk about quidditch yeah and then the pale pointy bo- boy from madam malkin's like waltzes into the compartment to introduce himself and he's like so it's true yeah i mean a he introduces himself like james bond he's like the name is malfoy draco <laughs> malfoy like come on dude it really shows that he the emphasis that he places on his family name on anyone's family name over their first name also hilariously his last name means bad faith in french and draco means dragon mm. so his name is dragon bad faith <laughs> So I was trying to find out why that name is funny because he says that popular opinion is it's not. What is funny? Draco Malfoy. Why he says it? think my name is funny to you. No, I mean I I also thought it was really funny that Ronald Weasley <laughs> laughed at Draco Malfoy. People said that he was probably laughing because someone like Draco Malfoy is talking to Harry Potter like that. Ah, uh, but which actually sets up this antagonistic relationship between them. I mean, Malfoy comes and tries to introduce himself, and Ron laughs at him, and Malfoy immediately snaps into like super mean mode on, right? Where like it's Mean Girls, where he says, "Think my name's funny, do you? No need to ask who you are. My father told me all the Weasleys have red hair, freckles, and more children than they can afford. They don't hold back. Yeah, and he and he already has like two cronies." How did they find each other so soon? They knew each other from when they were children. So after Draco go, goes all like mean girls on them, Scabbers attacks <laughs> when they try to take the sweets that Harry and Ron have. Which how did Scabbers even know how to attack at that point? Oh, he just bites Goyles. Still, why did he attack? Probably and then like Goyle, Goyle like shakes Scabbers off. He hits the window, falls back down, and goes to sleep. Yeah, first Ron says it's probably knocked out and. How do you know the difference between knocked out and sleeping in a rag? I have no idea. <laughs> and then like Hermione comes back and says change into your robes. Why are you going around doing this service? She says she came in because the people were behaving very childishly running and up and down the corridors, which I think was Malfoy, Crabbe and Goyle getting away from the compartment. I think people probably were behaving childishly. <laughs> and imagine 11-year-olds, not all of them are going to be like Harry and Ron. Both of them are feeling awkward. Yeah, and I imagine Hermione does get bossy when she's feeling awkward. She seems like the kind of person who doesn't have friends. She Maybe is this is being, the her. She's okay with being whoever she is because no matter what she is going to do, she's not going to have friends. Maybe this is her way of becoming friends with people. She's like, I'm bossing you around. You are my friends. Yeah, listen to me because I give good advice, which is true. <laughs> right, so they change into their robes. Okay, they get off the train, and uh, Hagrid's there, and he's shepherding all the first years into like a separate path. He's like first years over here, and he calls everybody over to him, and they and they walk down this path. and they get their first view of Hogwarts it's beautiful castle across a lake and it is amazing in the illustrated edition it is the hogwarts from the first movie which is my favorite hogwarts there are different hogwarts in of, movies there are different hogwartses between each movie oh yes they add different things the hogwarts of the third movie has a random bridge the hogwarts of the first movie is the hogwarts i imagined when i saw the same hogwarts in the book it, it feels nice there's a little thrill even though there's no such thing as the right imagination <laughs> My imagination was the right imagination. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. But it's really nice that they like put some effort into giving the first years like a proper view and thrill. You know, and then they're like these little boats that they get into, and uh, the boats just like you know they just take off by themselves. They're gliding across the water. The uh, Hagrid like shepherds them to the castle and knocks on the door three times. An interesting thing is every chapter in the illustrated edition has a title card. which is usually a reference to something quirky in the chapter itself for instance chapter 7's title card is what looks like a zoomed in picture of the castle and we see our flying pig again <laughs> our flying pig is there and our dragon they're both there oh. we would be tracking the flying pig across this podcast <laughs> so then we move on to the next chapter the sorting hat yeah but we immediately are... meet someone that we know already but harry doesn't know that we meet met them thus increasing dramatic tension this is a tall black haired witch in emerald green robes right she's like really stern and she says she'll take the kids in for some reason when i first read the book i thought she was a villain it's because of the movie they first focus on her hand she's tapping her fingers on the banister and then they show her back where we see the tall hat that she's wearing and then she talks to the kids and there is a sinister background music also going on there and she's also wearing emerald green which we know is a sign of dark magic she gives a rundown of the sorting ceremony mm-hmm. very says, succinct as opposed to the information that hagrid has given harry yeah she talks about the houses but she doesn't actually say how they'll be sorted she talks about how once they're sorted into the separate houses your house is like your family you basically sleep there eat there you spend time in the common room you go to classes with the people from your house she talks about the different houses themselves hufflepuff gryffindor ravenclaw and slytherin and then she leaves them to wait in the chamber while she 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 also says that um, they should basically earn points for the house and make sure that each house competes to get the house cup then uh, she leaves saying that she'll call them later and just and just as there's like peak panic in the room right like ron is like really worried because uh, fred and george told him that you know that it's like really painful yeah. the sorting ceremony <laughs> so he talks about how they were going on about wrestling a troll <laughs> which sounds like a really fun sorting ceremony <laughs> i didn't mean and hermione is like really fastly muttering spells to herself which i swear to god if i had been there i would have tried to strangle her also she would have read about it That's true. She's read Hogwarts a history. Yeah, that is very true. Oh my God, I never, I didn't realize that. Diabolical Hermione. <laughs> well, I, I, I think there was a mistake there. But anyway, yeah, everybody is like at peak panic, and <laughs> random ghosts pop in, and they're discussing about someone or something called Peeves and how he's causing a lot of havoc. I think the fat friar will be talking to the first years. He says, "I hope you'll be in my house." McGonagall says, "The sorting ceremony is about to start." And uh, these guys are ushered out into the hall, and there are like four long tables, and there are ghosts and students sitting at the tables, and they're led to this stool with a patched and frayed hat on it. So everybody's like looking at the hat. So <laughs> Harry also like, "Okay, let's just look at the hat." Should I pull a rabbit out of it? <laughs> valid question. Very valid question. I agree. <laughs> and then the hat starts to sing, yeah. which really should have been in the movie. I swear. Really? Yeah. I, I was going to ask you what you thought about that. I thought that Jake Rowling is just trying to be talking with all these songs and all. I feel like it doesn't suit. What her. songs and all? This is literally the only song in the book. If it were Tolkien, he'd have had five songs by now. <laughs> he'd be singing on the train about leaving the Dursleys back. <laughs> anyway, I I I was not a big fan of the song, but I guess that's like the only way to give a rundown on what each house is. The song itself says that Slytherins are very cunning, which was <laughs> yeah. Thanks weird. for like characterizing a bunch. 
of 11 year olds <laughs> later on the sorting had basically changed some of the words the first book is very different compared to the rest of the series it's only black and white i guess that's for more clarity for kids who are reading it but later on a lot of things change yeah it gets a little bit more nuanced i agree mm. and so everybody like starts putting on the hat as McGonagall calls their name alphabetically right and Harry is like more and more nervous he you know, also notices that for some people the hat is able to tell almost instantly like for instance Malfoy the hat is barely on when it shouts Slytherin for Neville it takes so long that uh, Neville actually forgets to take the hat off when, <laughs> when it says Gryffindor right and he also notices that Hermione Granger was sorted into Gryffindor when Harry puts on the hat there's a small voice in his head that's talking about you know the things it sees in his mind which is also kind of creepy he has courage and talent and he wants to prove himself harry is like not slytherin not slytherin and because of all the things that he's heard so far about slytherin so, being yeah. evil and even the hat itself said it's for cunning people and the hat actually listens to him yeah. and it's your choice that matters because he becomes gryffindor in the movie version of this the hat is actually very sinister but where to put you not slytherin not slytherin not slytherin eh are you sure you could be great you know it's all here in your head and slytherin will help you on the way to greatness there's no doubt about that but i love whoever voice the heart in the movie because yeah. it says not slytherin it's a really nice way the way the heart talks in the movie yeah, yeah. and then the whole of gryffindor table erupts into cheers because harry has been put into gryffindor and they're also proud and fred and george weasley just start chanting <laughs> we got potter yeah. yeah and the sorting goes on from for a few more people and finally ron gets into gryffindor as well harry is super happy because the one sort of friend that he has gets into the same house even though the annoying girl has been sorted in the same house <laughs> as well as well i don't as- think he is bothered about it it's only ron just having a friend next to him has made him brave enough to stand up to people like malfoy i mean malfoy is basically dudley standard right now yeah but do you think he stood up to yes, dudley yes i think he did because he clearly is on the run from dudley and his friends a lot he runs yeah from them yeah. he doesn't stand up to them because he can clearly be beaten but having one person next to him even though the other team looks like bulky and can beat him up in a second i think that makes a lot of difference I'll also admit that a lot of my favorite fan fiction diverge from canon at this particular point about where Harry gets sorted. It's oh. a pivotal moment, right? Like which house he goes to, who his friends are. Like would he really have continued being friends with Ron if he'd been sorted into another house? I mean, people have mapped different paths from here where like what if he had become a Hufflepuff? There's a fan fiction called Harry the Hufflepuff by the way. What if he joined Slytherin? Or what if one of the other characters like Hermione for instance had been sorted into Slytherin? Mm-hmm. and i would highly recommend you guys read it if this sounds interesting yeah we'll put up the links on the website that brings us to the end of today's episode in the next episode we will talk about events leading up to harry becoming a seeker so that is chapter 9 the midnight duel thank you for listening if you like this episode Don't forget to rate us and subscribe to Mimble Wimble the Harry Potter podcast. If you would like to discuss this episode with us or with your fellow Mimble Wimble listeners, please leave a comment on our website mimblewimble.in. So until next time, bye. Bye.